everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghosts. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hello. So one of the things we haven't talked about, I don't think we've talked about on our Salem recap episodes is how we got to Salem every day. Oh, I was going to say on oh. an airplane. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think we have yet. And this would probably be a good time to talk about it because we're going to talk about Salem. Yeah. So we didn't stay in Salem. We stayed in one of the most beautiful towns I've ever yes. been in, Marblehead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful, like straight out of a movie, basically. Yeah. It was a Hallmark movie. It was. Yeah. You walk up on this like cliff and there's just sailboats <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Now, crazy. we went at like the perfect time of year. Somehow we got really lucky and the weather was beautiful. But yeah, the sailboats out there. Um, I mean, just houses from the 1600s, 1700s. Mm-hmm. Everything was beautiful. Mm-hmm. The old Hocus Pocus uh, Cemetery. Yes. Was in Marblehead. We went there. Kind of overlooks the town a little bit, like a tie up. Yes. I was trying to remember the actual name of it because they don't call it that. Old Burial Hill. Okay. Old Burial Hill, a.k.a. Hocus Pocus Cemetery. (laughs) Where they film the cemetery shots. Yes. And luckily, Marblehead's only like, I don't know, an eight to ten minute drive from Salem. It's very, very close. Mm -hmm. So we Ubered. Yeah, because they told us straight up, you cannot drive there. Or they would highly recommend not driving to Salem because they shut down several of the streets and parking. there was nowhere to park. So they really, really strongly recommended Ubering. So we did. We did what they said we to do. We followed directions. And it was not well received. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time we get in the Uber. Except for like one guy. I don't even remember the one. Oh, he, the one that just didn't say anything? The one that picked us up from Wendy's and didn't really yes. say anything. He didn't say anything. Which is how I prefer my Uber yeah. drivers. <laughs> um, try sitting in the front seat. Hey, no. I sat in the front seat sometimes too. When they talked to you about the yeah. devil being in Salem and how <laughs> she was crying for our souls or something terrible. It was a lot. She, you know, started out saying this was our first day going to Salem. And she's like, where are you guys from? We're like, we're from Kansas City. She's like, are you here for Salem? We're like, yeah. We're like, obviously, you're driving us to Salem. <laughs> um, and she went off about the tourism in Salem and how disgusting it is that people profit off of a tragedy. Yeah. And it went down a tangent. And all three of us are texting each other in the car like, <laughs> what is happening? And I'm sitting in the front seat. And I don't know how to handle situations like that. So I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. That yeah, the devil's gonna take her soul there. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Just, just <laughs> just so, she like asked one question, like none of us said anything, and then she asked it again. And I was like, oh, it's not a rhetorical oh, no, question. She said, Do you believe in God? Are and you I was just like, I didn't say anything. Lucy's like, yeah. Didn't she talk about like Jesus on the cross? Yes. Or and I tried to keep my mouth shut, and I really couldn't. After a little while, it was it was a lot. It was a lot to take in. It was. I just we found it ironic <laughs> because she was talking about how disgusting the tourism there. I'm like, you are literally profiting off of taking people to Salem right now. I know. Every single one of them complained about taking us. And I was like, wait, don't you see where we're going before you accept the ride? And also, it's October and you're 10 minutes from Salem. Where do you think people are going? Anyways, we had a great time. What was your favorite part about Salem? The history walking tour. Yeah. <laughs> All the history. All Being the history. in the same place that was around in years that I cannot comprehend with my brain. I know. It about made my brain melt. Yes. And I was almost kind of offended when they were like, um, we hate when people come in here and tourists come here to profit off all these terrible things that happen. And I'm thinking, well, I came to learn about what happened to these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that that's what everybody came there for, but I figured out that wasn't the case. Yeah. 
Now we know. Now we know. Anyways, I quite enjoyed it. Should we talk about what happened? Why is Salem famous? Quiz time. Sarah, why is, why is Salem famous? Pop quiz. Um, Don't get it wrong. You were on the history tour. <laughs> <laughs> Salem witch trials? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're so good. Yes, which interestingly enough isn't really about witch witches, but more about... Oh, it's about a lot of things. Hysteria. Hysteria. <laughs> and... Misogyny. Religion. Religion. Yes, that's a big one. Yeah. Demon panic was not around <laughs> just in the 80s. No, <laughs> this was then. the like OG, well, the OG, OG US satanic panic. Satanic panic yeah. yes. I think yes. it'd been going on in Europe for some time. But all right, who gets to start us off? Uh, me. All right. Before we talk about what happened, we have to take a moment to think about what was going on during that time. Kind of set the stage because the events leading up to 1692 have such a big impact on the years that followed. Our focus is going to be on Salem Town and Salem Village, both located in present-day Massachusetts, which at that time was Massachusetts Bay Colony. And I now know NBC. how to correctly spell uh, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I typed Masshole. it so many times. E- Masshole, yes. Yeah. And we say that because that's what people from there called themselves. Yeah. I was just trying to They were cool. like, are you guys from here? And we're like, no. And they're like, ah, sorry, we're Massholes. <laughs> Eventually, we understood. I think it's clever. Do I sound like we are Massachusetts? <laughs> you do. We are Midwestern and we are polite. I totally understand. The first day I was like, oh, that's so cool. I want to be a masshole. But then I realized I would never be able. No. Why do you think we overheard so many of them talking about how the tourists are annoying? And I'm like, are they talking about us? Oh my we- gosh, I'm so sorry for existing here. <laughs> no, we inconvenienced them by paying them. To drive us to Salem. I know there's 100,000 other people here, but you have to be talking about us. (laughs) It's me. I just know it. We're the problem. Obviously. Anyway, so Salem Town, which is present day Salem, was a bustling commerce driven community situated on Massachusetts Bay. So right on the coast. Salem Village, which is present day Danvers, was about 10 miles inland and was still part of Salem Town, but a much smaller, poorer farming focused part of the community and had only about like 500 people. Both were settled by the Puritans. So the Puritans were English Protestants who wanted to purify the Church of England specifically from Roman Catholic practices, especially as it related to worship. And at that time in England, all English English subjects were expected to be members of the Church of England. So being a Puritan was illegal, and in the 1620s and 30s, the Catholic Archbishop decided it was time to wipe out Puritanism in England. So it's my understanding that Puritans became Puritans because the Catholics were not strict enough, right? Like That's kind of what I understood, that they were like, they're not pure enough, and so we need to break off into our own sect and create... And become more pure. The most pure religious group that we possibly can. And the most strict. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> Essentially. So, yeah. So it's like we were there. It, <laughs> I researched it. They wanted to wipe out Puritanism in England. So, fearing religious persecution, a group of Puritans left England and established our friend Massachusetts Bay Colony. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, their goal was to reform the church, to be different than the Catholic church with simple but stricter church services only centered around the Bible. So, 
I don't know if either of you have been to a Catholic mass, but I have. It's yes. a big extravagant thing. So the church itself was quaint with very, very few decorations, no musical instruments. They had no very, dancing. No, absolutely no dancing. That's why it's like I a remember joke that. nowadays with Baptists. You don't dance in the Baptists. Yeah. <laughs> a joke, but true. Yes, like if, so my husband and I, we got married in like a farm, you know, outside. But if we had gotten married in the church, there would have been no dancing, no secular music allowed. It sounds like a really fun time. They had very strict rules and regulations and people who disagreed with them were often forced to leave the colony. Residents who did not attend church were fined or put into the stocks as punishment. To the stocks. Not only were they strict in church, but like even at home, kids couldn't like play games. They had to either do chores, especially the the girls had to either do chores or read the Bible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was it was just kind of a lot. So with that in mind, we're going to establish a timeline. A timeline. I love timelines. I feel like that's the only way to tell this story. It really is. So the Puritan migration began in 1620 and Salem was founded in 1629. In 1630, King Charles I grants a charter to the Massachusetts Bay Colony that allows them to not only colonize the area, but also let them be pretty autonomous and make their own rules that would be specific to their colony. So sort of come up with their own small government. The rules still needed to be grounded by English law, but it gave them more autonomy than really any of the other colonies. So in 1641, English England passes the Witchcraft Act, which establishes a capital penalty for witchcraft. No uh, witchcraft. This all stems back to England. Always. Damn it. Those are our roots. This is not good roots to have. No. But I mean, listen, America didn't have good roots. That's very true. To start with. Yeah, that's very true. At the time, a witch was thought to be someone who sold their soul to the devil in order to receive some kind of perk in return, like money, power, material possessions. You know, anything really, <laughs> anything, anything for our soul, <laughs> a cup of sugar. Exactly. <laughs> On June 15th, 1648, Margaret Jones of Charlestown was, uh, this is still in Massachusetts Bay Colony, was an herbalist, a midwife and a self-described physician. And she became the first known person to be executed for witchcraft in New England. So this is all happening during a period of time called the Little Ice Age, where there were irregular <laughs> weather patterns across the northern hemisphere that caused really brutal freezing cold winters, but also scorching hot summers. So just something to keep in mind. Sounds I like just, our weather. I thought of like Little Chinatown or like Little Italy. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, Little Ice Age. The Little Baby just Ice little. Age. Just <laughs> little. teeny tiny. Yeah. It's <laughs> not cute. <laughs> it really isn't. I'm sure people died. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Froze to death. Yeah. So because of this, in 1666, a number of farmers from Salem Village petitioned to hire their own ministers so that they can avoid the 10-mile trek from, uh, to Salem Town Meeting House for church. Remember, it's essentially mandatory to attend. Right. So they're trying to be like, it's cold. Can we just do our own thing here? So things are up in the air for a few years with really nothing decided until around 1670 when the people of Salem Village start refusing to pay taxes for the Salem Town Meeting House and instead demand that they contribute to their own meeting house. Meeting house in that day is the church. Yeah. Um, So this goes to court and in 1672, Salem Town ends up letting Salem Village build their own meeting house and hire their own minister. 
But the caveat is that Salem Town would still have a final say over some of the details, importantly, who can actually become ordained. So religion's a huge thing here. You want an ordained minister. James Bailey is hired as their first minister, but there continues to be disputes over the logistics. Salem Town refuses to ordain him, and his salary is not paid. In 1669, Susanna Martin is accused of witchcraft in Salisbury, Massachusetts. So along the way, we're going to talk about what's happening in Salem Village and Salem Town, but also I'm throwing in some witchy facts. I like witchy witchy dates. So she's convicted, but the charges are ultimately dismissed. So that same year, though, Anne Holland Bassett Burt, a Quaker and the grandmother of Elizabeth Proctor, who comes up later, is charged with witchcraft. In 1675, it marks the start of King Philip's War between New England settlers and the natives over land and power. And it gets bad very quickly. There are tons of casualties on both sides. Several individuals that would later be involved in the trials would survive the raids during this time, including war refugee children, a couple of which were Mercy Lewis and Susanna Sheldon. We also mention them later. So because of the fighting close by, many refugees end up settling in the area. This sounds like a highly traumatic time period. I think it was. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of instability. King Philip's War was extremely brutal. In 1679, another future player, Bridget Bishop of Salem Village, is accused of witchcraft, but her charges are dropped. In 1680, in nearby Newbury, Elizabeth Morse is accused and convicted of witchcraft, but she was reprieved of her death sentence. In 1680, one of the war refugees, George Burroughs, replaced James Bailey as minister of Salem Village. But only three years later, Salem Town is still being petty and won't ordain him, and he's not being paid, so he resigns. In 1684, Reverend Lawson becomes minister of Salem Village. Basically, they've got lots of instability with their... With the church. Secular leaders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, they're also not being paid. So, yeah, it's hard to live. It is hard to live. (laughs) It is hard to live without money. Uh During all of this, King Charles I is executed, and the throne is eventually, after a few turns, is taken by King Charles II. So King Charles II revokes all previous charters until the subjects can prove their continued loyalty to the crown. Basically just making sure that no one in the new world is getting any bright ideas. (laughs) Like to be their own independent country. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Maybe he was onto something. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Whoops. Yep. King Charles is pretty hesitant to reissue the charter to Massachusetts Bay Colony because of how independent the last one let them be. He thought that they violated several of the charter's rules, including basing laws on religious beliefs and discriminating against Anglicans. But without the charter, the colony loses their autonomy, including the ability to elect their own governing officials, and it jeopardizes land ownership because revoking the charter voids any existing land titles. But above all, the greatest concern is that this would mark the downfall of the Puritan way of life. So again, fear of religious persecution. But then King Charles II dies in 1685, and his brother James II becomes King of England. He appoints Governor Sir Andros 
to be over a lot of the New England colonies, which included Massachusetts Bay Colony. And this guy comes in like a wrecking ball. He alters laws. He passes new taxes. And he founds the first Anglican church uh, in New England. She didn't pause to let us sing. I know. I feel like she did that on purpose. You did. did. You know we were thinking it. (laughs) I I snuck it in, but mm -mm. Miley. (laughs) (laughs) was Miley Cyrus reference. I got it. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, he also allows Quakers and Baptists to worship freely. Whoa. Ah, the scandal. Revolutionary. Wow. Ah, revolutionary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to be clever there. Wow. Look at me go. <laughs> Just ingrained. Because of the war. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying You're again. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the OG Puritans think that this is spiritual crisis and they start Obviously. to panic. Yeah. Not the Anglicans and Baptists. They're not Puritans. <laughs> they are Burn them all. Is that how they talk to them? I believe so. I just rewatched The Witch today, you know, to like really get okay, myself yes. in the New England spooky mood. Totally history based. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it does a really good job showing what it probably was like back <laughs> what then. It probably was like <laughs> just fucking horrific. Yes. Just terrible. Yes. Um, everything sucks. Yeah. And that's how they talked then. Honestly, though, it sounds like it did suck. It did. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's hard and life sucks. Yeah. During this time. They were in a new land. I mean. And everybody's dying. And if you're not dying, you're accused of being a witch. <laughs> you don't have medicine. <laughs> or if you do, you're a witch. Yeah. If you use medicine, you're a witch. <laughs> if you don't, you're probably a witch. Yeah. Because <laughs> you died. And if you do good you're things, a witch. you're a witch. If you do, if something bad happens, you're possessed by the devil. But even like, we'll get to it. But even some of the people who are like the believers and churchgoers were still accused of being a witch. So mm-hmm. we'll get there. Yep. So also in 1685, a man by the name of Cotton Mather is ordained and joins his father, Increase Mather. Sir as, Increase. <laughs> Sir Increase. As the Boston, the minister of Boston's North Church. <laughs> so angry. That sounded German for a second. Have you seen pictures of Increase? He looks like he would sound like that. I don't know if I've actually seen a picture of Increase. <laughs> I just know the name. He looks like he'd sound like that. Yeah. He looks fun. He's got a big nose. I told you. Doesn't he sound like... And doesn't he look like he'd sound like that? Look at that perm. It's the curls that got me. Go ahead and take a break and Google increasing (laughs) on Mather. In 1687, our friend Bridget Bishop of Salem Village is accused of witchcraft for a second time. Poor Bridget. She just can't catch a break. Bridget, (laughs) stop being a witch. And she is again acquitted. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. In 1687 also, Reverend Lawson steps down as the minister of Salem Village. Not surprisingly, he also was not paid or ordained by Salem Town. In 1688, Anne Goody Glover, an Irish-born, Gaelic-speaking Roman Catholic housekeeper for the Goodwin family in Boston, is accused of witchcraft by the Goodwin's daughter, Martha. Martha and some of her siblings had been having some strange fits, like flapping their hands and showing animal-like movements and making animal noises, as well as strangely contorting their bodies. (laughs) So, of course, it's witchcraft. They're (laughs) double-jointed. Or they're children. I mean, that too. Just being weird. Just doing kid things. Yeah. Yeah. So, Goody Glover is tried and convicted of witchcraft, even though there was a significant language barrier during her trial. So, she couldn't even defend herself and likely didn't even fully understand the questions. She only spoke Gaelic, right? She did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Maybe like very, uh, very little English. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. But she was hanged for her crimes. 
So Pity. Martha, her accuser, Martha, went to live with Cotton Mather <laughs> after the trial because she had been cursed by Goody. And Cotton ended up gathering her side of the story, just Martha's, um, and writing a book detailing the case in an effort to get more people to go to church. Like, ooh, look what's going to happen if we don't go to church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also in 1688, King James II is overthrown, and when Boston and the surrounding areas catch wind of that, they overthrow Sir Andros, that revolutionary church revolution. <laughs> yes. Um, the Quaker Anglican church. That ba- guy? Baptist supporter. Yeah. yeah. How could he? Jeez. So as a result, Salem establishes a temporary government based off of the old charter, the original one, while they wait for further orders from England. This is important later on when we talk about the trials. So remember, basically, this is a community that's working off of something like an emergency government, which includes an emergency court. The court then will attempt to conform to English law, but is ultimately in limbo, and it's up to them to make their own judgments based off their own research and discernment. They are supposed to make the best choice that they know how to make. Sounds like a problem. Mm. It sounds like foreshadowing. It sounds like they're making it up as they go. (laughs) They are. They are. Based off of their religion. I declare it as a law. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 1688, great year. It's also mm-hmm. the start of the Nine Years' War, or the Second Indian War, where fighting between colonists and the native pr- tribes resumes. Casualties increase, which causes an increase in taxes, which causes an increase in inflation. As a result, there's another large influx of refugees to Salem and the surrounding areas. Again, several refugees later become witnesses during the Salem Witch Trials. To add more drama... There is an increasing social divide within the community made worse by a rivalry between two leading families, the Porters, who had strong connections with wealthy merchants in Salem Town, and the Putnams, who wanted more autonomy for Salem Village. They often argued over property and were in constant, petty, legal battles, always in court. With the Putnam's influence, Samuel Paris, a Boston merchant, became the Salem Village Minister in 1688 and would become their first fully ordained minister. He brought his wife, their three children, his niece, and two slaves out of Barbados. The next year, in 1689, a... Benjamin Hilton dies in Salem Village, but the doctor can't identify a cause of death. This death would later be brought as evidence against Rebecca Nurse. Reverend Paris soon became controversial as he quickly requested greater compensation. He's the first one to be paid, including the rights to own the church house, which they actually granted to him. And this didn't sit right with a lot of people in the congregation, partly because it actually went against their own rules. Like, this wasn't supposed to be a thing that he was able to own or take ownership of. Further adding insult to injury is that this highly religious community, you have that. And then Samuel Paris started to insist that non-members of the congregation leave before communion. So now you've got a group of people who aren't offered communion, which is important at the time. Yes. Keep their their closeness with God. On October 8th of 1691, Reverend Paris asked the church to provide more firewood for his house. He's like, hey, I know you guys are mad at me, 
for asking for more money and then taking the, the church as my house. But um, also, I excluded some of you guys. But um, can y'all spare any wood? It's cold I outside. Need some things. It's the little ice age. It's cold. Help a poor man out. Help me. Help me, I'm poor. Soon, Salem was divided into pro-Paris and anti-Paris factions. But the divide doesn't seem to be about him specifically. Those in favor generally just want more separation from Salem town. Those against him actually want to be closer to the more prosperous Salem town. At a Salem village town meeting, members of the anti-Paris faction promised to stop paying him. And then he starts to preach about a satanic conspiracy in town against him and the church. Hmm. And that takes us into 1692. So I'm starting in January of 1692, but supposedly January through March of 1692 were listed as part of 1691. So I don't know. The timeline might be a little bit off here, but okay, we are around this time. We're going to start in January 15th. So Reverend Samuel Paris in Salem Village, he had two girls living with him, Elizabeth Paris and Abigail Williams. They were nine and 12. And they were living in his home. Elizabeth is his daughter. Abigail is niece. 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 Mm-hmm. I was going to say family member, but okay. Niece. <laughs> also a family member. <laughs> Which is also Both. a family member. Elizabeth and Abigail, or Betty, as she was called, <laughs> began to exhibit strange and bizarre behaviors, such as, like Boydson said, making strange noises, having erratic movements, and also started complaining of headaches. So at this time, um, the Paris family had an enslaved woman named Tichuba, and she was from the Caribbean. And at this time, she starts complaining or reporting experiencing visions of the devil and swarms of witches. Swarms. A swarm. They're everywhere. (laughs) She probably didn't have a Boston accent. (laughs) (laughs) She's from the Caribbean. I don't know how to do that one. (laughs) They're in the harbor. It was like the That's Sanderson was said if she was <laughs> the Sanderson sisters came in a swarm <laughs> of witches. Okay, got it. So Betty and Abigail, like I said, they're experiencing all of these bizarre behaviors, these weird movements and noises. And these were similar to the children in the Goodwin household that Boydson had mentioned earlier that happened in Boston, which was in 1688. And they think that they might have heard of this experience and maybe it influenced them. Ooh. Mm. We think that now. We heard it through Let the Let me grapevine. rephrase that. We yeah. think that now looking back. Sure. At the time, I don't think that occurred to anyone. So January 26th, Sir William Phipps is appointed the royal governor of Massachusetts. The royal Sir governor. Phipps. <laughs> Sir Phipps. Governor. The governor. <laughs> you guys are really good at your Boston accents. That's also English. That was my English accent. Okay. Thanks, but... Hello, governor. Yes. That's what I was going for. <laughs> what, what's the governor for uh, in a Boston accent? Hey, governor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to go to February of 1692, February 16th. And like Boydson said, we're just moving through a timeline at this point. I think Let's it's the it. easiest way. All right. William Griggs. He was a physician who moved to Salem Village with his wife and his niece, Elizabeth Hubbard. February 24th. Griggs tries to cure the Paris household, Betty and Abigail, but he was pretty unsuccessful. He used traditional remedies and prayers. Of course. Of course he had prayers. He had prayers, but they did not work. And so he diagnosed. (gasps) You don't say. The evil hand. Oh, okay. Just a hand? That's what they called it. The evil hand. The evil hand was upon them. The evil hand is Satan. Mm -hmm. Satan's hand. I don't think that's an ICD-10 code. (laughs) Evil hand. Sam. The next day on February 25th, Mary Sibley, who was a neighbor of the Paris family, 
Yeah. She talks to another enslaved um, member of the Paris family, John Indian, who is also from the Caribbean. And she tells him, hey, you should make a witch's cake to discover the names of the other witches. Uh, you remember this in our tour, right? I, I remember. I was traumatized. Yeah. Those poor dogs. So what? I didn't write it down. <laughs> but what was the witch's cake? Okay. So the girls, the maybe the afflicted. The afflicted would pee and they would mix it with something and make like a cake. Yeah. They make and a then, cake out of the urine. And, and then they to the dog. Feed it to the, the dog. dog. And depending on how the dog reacted, and they usually like react some way towards the afflicted towards the cake then then that's how they would accuse somebody mm-hmm. of being a witch so they were like we should make a witch's cake and find out who the witches are because there's a swarm it's a of pea them cake for god's sake it's not a witch cake it's it reminds swarm. me of um the things that they have in urinals mm-hmm. a urinal cake yeah. oh okay just something that you pee on yeah yeah uh, hopefully those don't get fed to people because oh god that about made me just barf right now <laughs> So during this time, the girls' torments are increasing. Hmm. Everything is increasing. It's just building. Increase. Slow burn. Increase with increase. Until it's a forest fire. <laughs> so Anne Putnam Jr. and Elizabeth Hubbard, who live about a mile away, they also begin to show signs of the affliction. Not the hand. As it becomes known. Stan's hand. So Elizabeth is 17 years old at the time. And this is important because she was of legal age to testify under oath, which meant that her testimony was pretty important. So the 9 and 12-year-old, they couldn't testify under oath because of their age. So Elizabeth was able to testify and ended up testifying 32 times. So February 26, Betty and Abigail, they begin to name Tichiba as the cause of their behavior. Neighbors and ministers, they're all coming from around Salem Town and Salem Village to observe them, including Reverend John Hale of Beverly and Reverend Nicholas Noyes of Salem. Nick Noyes? Nick Noyes. (laughs) I was just thinking, too, that I I thought I remember hearing that women and children couldn't testify, or they could, but they really weren't taken seriously, and they always had to be backed up by a man. Just a little witch's knowledge. I would believe that, given how our country was, yeah. Um, So they're also questioning... (laughs) Yeah. They're also questioning Tichiba at this time as well. The next day on the 27th, Ann Putnam Jr. and Elizabeth Hubbard experience torments and blame Sarah Good, who is a local homeless mother. They also blame Sarah Osborne. It was not a good time to have the name of Sarah. It really wasn't. <laughs> oh my God, I know. It only gets worse for the Makes Sarahs. Makes me proud to have the name Sarah. <laughs> and listen here, I'm going to refer to them as the Sarahs from here on out. So oh, that's fine. There are several more to come. <laughs> there so. are several more, but these are these are the main Sarahs. Yeah, they were easy targets, unfortunately. They were. So like I said, Sarah Good, she was a local homeless mother. Sarah Osborne, she had a lot of conflict with people around town about property just you know disagreements but she had also married an indentured servant which was super scandalous back then um so what's super sad about these three women the sarahs and tichuba is that they didn't really have anyone to defend them because you know tichuba was an enslaved person good was homeless and osborne was ostracized and was considered scandalous because she had married an indentured servant so they were easy people to blame is what i'm getting at right Arrest warrants are issued in Salem Town for Tichiba and the Sarahs. Thomas Putnam, who is Anne's father, um, and several others made complaints before the local magistrates, which at that time were Jonathan Cordwin and John Haythorne, and they are going to come up later. Uh-huh. The Johns. The Johns. The Sarahs and the Johns. Yep. So March 1692. On March 1st, Tichiba and the Sarahs are questioned at Nathaniel Ingersoll's tavern and then examined by the Johns. 
John Haythorne and Jonathan Corwin. Ezekiel Cheever was taking notes on the proceedings at this time, and Hannah Ingersoll, which is Nathaniel's wife, the wife of the tavern owner, she found that the three women had no witch's mark upon them. The witch's mark. I talk more about that, too, in detail. All right. William Good, Sarah's husband, threw his wife under the bus and said, she's got a mole on her back. There it is. (laughs) Damn it, Bill. Found the witch's mark. (laughs) He's the worst. I know you didn't find a witch's mark, but she does have a mole on her back. You might want to look again. (laughs) Might want to look at that one. He's the worst husband. Also, (laughs) it makes me suspicious of their Puritan household because I saw her back. (laughs) Yeah, he saw saw her back. (laughs) How dare he see her back? Did he see her ankles as well? I hope Sounds not. Sounds like it. He's not supposed to see anything. Lights off. Yes. Oh, Procreation and that is it. He saw her back. <laughs> <laughs> I get it now. He met her butt. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Tichiba confessed uh, during all of this um, questioning and she named the Sarahs as witches. Of course. Honestly, between the three, all the three of us, we would be the ones named as witches. I would not be throwing you under the bus, though. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. She also added a lot of details to the stories, embellished quite a bit, and talked about possession, spectral travel, and meeting with the devil many Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Sarah Osborne maintained her innocence, but Sarah Good, who's got a mole on her back... (laughs) Threw them both under the bus. <laughs> I got several moles on the back, so. <laughs> I got moles all over it's my over. body. <laughs> Same. Um, so Sarah Good was like, listen, Osborne and Tituba, yeah, they're witches, but I'm not. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So she kind of did what her husband did and threw people under the bus. Good is sent to Ipswich to be confined with the local constable, who also happened to be a relative of hers, so that seems kind of, you know, fishy. Everything's fishy. She did escape, but she turned herself back in voluntarily. Um, but this is important because her absence actually coincided with when Elizabeth Hubbard reported that Sarah's specter had visited her and tormented her that night. Oh, boy. So her whereabouts were unaccounted for. <gasps> no, not the specter. Spectral. Specta? So the next day, uh, Sarah is jailed at the Ipswich jail. Osborne and Tichiba continue to be questioned. Tichiba just keeps on adding more details to the story, and Osborne keeps maintaining her innocence. The next day on the 3rd, Good is moved to Salem Jail, and the three of them are all questioned again by the Johns. Those Johns, man. The Johns. Thumbs down. So for those keeping track at home, that is three days of being questioned. It's not looking good for the three of them. Imagine your mental state. (laughs) So March 6th, Anne Putnam Jr. mentions Elizabeth Proctor's name as a witch who is afflicting her. And we mentioned the proctors are going to come back up. Here mm-hmm. they are. Yep. March mm-hmm. 7th, the governor who had been in England, he's like, something's going down in Massachusetts. I should probably get back home. <laughs> so he leaves. He got the fuck out of there. I do not blame him. <laughs> he did. He was in England during this time. So he's like, I should probably head back to Massachusetts. There's some stuff going on. Oh, no. I would have stayed far away. <laughs> Mary Warren, who was a servant in the home of the proctors, Elizabeth and John Proctor, she begins to have fits as well, like the girls and the affliction. She tells John Proctor that she saw Giles Corey and his specter visited her at night. Should we explain what a specter is? It's like a ghost, basically. Yes. The ghost the is The image of them. somebody who's not really there. Mm-hmm. But it may not even be that person. It could be like their doppelganger or their alter ego. So she tells John this, that it's, you know, Giles Corey's specter. And John dismisses this. And he's like, nah. Yeah. John don't believe any of that business. Giles Corey, um, he is a wealthy farmer, upstanding citizen. So John was like, nah, that's not real. 
March 11th, town records note that Mary Sibley, who had been suspended from communion with Salem Village Church, um, because remember, she's the one who said, hey, make a witch's cake to John Indian. Right. So she was restored to full covenanted membership when she confessed that she did this, suggested mm-hmm. the cake for innocent purposes. Yeah, it was innocent, I swear. I just said, to bake a cake with urine. <laughs> and make the it dog like eat a it. Good idea at the time. <laughs> the next day on March 12th, Martha Corey, who is Giles Corey's wife, she was a respected church and community member and was accused by Anne Putnam Jr. of witchcraft. Oh, Another Martha. March 19th, Rebecca Nurse, 71 years old, is accused of witchcraft by Abigail Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? It's <laughs> like a basketball announcer. <laughs> Williams. Sure. She was, accused yeah. <laughs> she was accused of witchcraft by Abigail Williams. She was also a respected member of the church in the community. She really was. She was the one I was saying that went to church every day, was a godly woman. She was Rebecca. 71 years old. She ain't got yeah. no time to dabble with witches and Satan. Poor Rebecca. Poor Rebecca. She's too tired to spectral visit. <laughs> Poor Rebecca. That's all I can say. Her spectral just sleeps. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> yeah. That's what my spectral does. <laughs> same. <laughs> My spectral eats and then takes a nap. (laughs) Drinks a bottle of wine. Watches some Netflix. (laughs) My spectral is lazy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess back then, though, they didn't have all that, so they had to find something to do. Mm -hmm. They just torment other people. My spectral is not going to talk to anybody. (laughs) Oh, yeah, mine definitely, mine is not. Reverend Lawson, at this time, he's visiting with several members of the community, and he witnessed Abigail Williams acting strangely. And claimed that Rebecca Nurse was trying to force her hand in signing the devil's book. Oh, my God. All right. So March 20th, Abigail Williams interrupts Reverend Lawson's service and claimed that she was seeing Martha Corey's spirit separate from her body. Oh, boy. Her spectral was leaving church. It's just a fucking <laughs> free for all. back to bed. She's like, this is boring. <laughs> take, take my spectral out of this church. <laughs> this is some bullshit. I'll stay here. My spectral is going to go to bed. Take a nap. <laughs> uh, the next day, Martha Corey is arrested and, you know, because her spirit separated from her body in church. <laughs> I could not deny those she, accusations. <laughs> she gets examined by the Johns. Yeah. She said, Mr. Lawson is boring. <laughs> Reverend Lawson. It was really this boring. Is horrible. My spirit was tired. <laughs> On March 22nd, a local, a local delegation visits with Rebecca Nurse at her home. So Rebecca Nurse is the 71-year-old. The next day, she is arrested. Samuel Brabrook, he is a marshal. He was sent to arrest Dorcas Good, who is the daughter of Sarah Good, and I'm jumping from people to people here. I love Dorcas. Dorcas is my favorite. Dorcas is four or five years old. She's five. She's Sarah's daughter. She's her daughter. And she was... Daughter. Daughter. So the marshal was sent to arrest this five-year-old on charges of witchcraft. Poor Dorcas. And arrested her on March 24th, the next day. He arrested the parents for that name. Well, Sarah's already arrested. She's in jail, remember? <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> and her husband's the one who threw her under the bus with the mole on the back. So yeah, he's like, it he's was, the worst. It was her idea. I didn't like it, but <laughs> it was like, there's no mark, but she named our daughter Dorcas. <laughs> Get her the fuck out of here. That was Sharpie, but you don't need to know that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm still mad at her for that. <laughs> all right. So John Proctor, the same time that this is all happening, he denounces the afflicted girls publicly. So he had relatives, you know, his daughter was married to an in-law of Rebecca Nurse's son. He was like, this is all going too far. These girls are not really afflicted. These women are not witches, blah, 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 blah. He had some common sense. Very brave of him, but also it's going to bite him in the butt. Unfortunately. All right. March 24th, the next day, Jonathan Corwin and John Haythorn, the Johns, as we call them, examine Rebecca Nurse, and she maintains her innocence throughout all of this. Uh, they next examine Dorcas. <laughs> I can't with you guys. Did she go by Dorky? That's <laughs> the same amount of syllables, isn't it? Dork? Yeah. Dorkster? Dorkery. Is it short for Dorkarina? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I can't. Her answers, again, Dorkabeth. as a five-year-old. <laughs> Dorkabeth. Dorksheba. <laughs> Dorksheba. Stop. <laughs> I've lost them. I've lost my Sarahs. <laughs> the Sarahs in the story are in jail. This is why that these Sarahs would wind up as witches in the stocks. It's true. <laughs> witches in the stocks. So the Johns question Rebecca Nurse. Uh-huh. She maintains her innocence. So they also start questioning Dorcas, who at five, apparently in their viewing of how the events transpired she implicated her mother as a witch i'm sure they didn't ask any leading questions at all right or think of a five-year-old with their imagination yeah march 26 mercy lewis accuses elizabeth proctor john's proctor's wife of afflicting her through her specter yeah, gosh. That is assault. <laughs> <laughs> so it only took three days from John publicly denouncing all of this for his wife to be accused. I see. March 27th. So at that time, it was Easter Sunday. They didn't really celebrate Easter Sunday or it wasn't as big a deal. Reverend Samuel Paris took the opportunity to preach to the congregation about, quote, dreadful witchcraft. Dreadful. Yes, it sounds very dreadful. And he emphasized that the devil could not take the form of an innocent person. So mm-hmm. basically calling anyone who claimed they were innocent, not innocent. <laughs> oh, gosh. So at this point, those in prison are Tichuba, the Sarahs, Rebecca Nurse, and Martha Corey. During the sermon, Rebecca's sister, Sarah Cloyce, is sitting there, and she ups and leaves the church and slams the door. <coughs> She's like, listen, you're not going to talk about my sister like that. So she got up in the middle of the service and slammed the door. Mm. I don't feel like that ends well. Mm. Or March 29th, so two days later, Abigail Williams and Mercy Lewis again accuse Elizabeth Proctor Specter of afflicting them. And Abigail, Abigail, <laughs> sorry, Abigail, <laughs> Abigail claims that John Proctor Specter is visiting as well. In Ipswich, Rachel Clinton was accused by her neighbors of witchcraft. Um, She was examined by local magistrates there, but none of the girls that were involved in the Salem accusations are involved in her case. Maybe the hysteria is spreading. More than 50 men from Salem Village and surrounding areas signed a petition declaring that they didn't believe that spectral evidence about John and Elizabeth Proctor was real. Yes. So at this time... Everything's starting to go crazy. People are pointing fingers at everybody. And anything odd is seen as evidence that someone is a witch. And you're starting to sense like a lot of panic in the air. Hysteria. So Lindsay mentioned Sarah Cloyce. I did. The sister. The sister of Rebecca Nurse. But you said she walked out of church. She slammed the door. She slammed the door. 
And so what does that mean? It means she's a witch. She's a witch. She was accused of witchcraft. Knew it. An arrest warrant is issued for both Elizabeth Proctor and Sarah Cloyce, and they're to be in custody by April 8th. So this is just setting it out there, setting the tone. The warrant also orders Mary Warren and Elizabeth Hubbard to appear to give their evidence. On April 10th, a meeting in Salem Village sees interruptions, quote unquote. Again, anything is seen as witchcraft. So whatever that means to them, they saw interruptions in their meeting and they felt it was caused by the specter of Sarah Cloyce. The next day, Sarah Cloyce and Elizabeth Proctor are examined by the Johns, along with several other men in the room examining them. So just picture this, like how terrifying of a time, right? I mean, I wasn't there. Maybe it was. <laughs> I don't know. I was a Sarah. So. I wasn't there. <laughs> but I imagine like having this um, sort of panic being brought to a tavern with several men stripping you down and looking for things on your body in such a conservative uptight for lack of a better word society like you were joking about seeing ankles earlier but that's kind of real (laughs) like it's kind of real like they a lot of times their husbands didn't even see them like completely naked yeah so i can only imagine how horrifying this must have felt for everybody even the people watching may have been a little confused about what's going on so these examinations are something that continue over the next several months that you'll hear us talk about. Um, as I mentioned, they're stripped of clothing and examined by the men for marks called the witch's teats. Not the teats. <laughs> the teat. Plural. Teats. It was believed that the devil communicated with his witches through... <laughs> through the teats? Through the teats. They spoke. <laughs> well, these teats. <laughs> more more like a third nipple. Mm. Okay. Uh, so it was believed that the devil communicated with the witches through animal familiars who would come suckle at a teat mm. on the witch's body, and that would leave a mark. Oh, they called it a so third much. nipple, but in reality, it was more like a mole. So any mole could be seen as a teat that Deep. the familiar was using. Again, do you know how many moles I have on my body? That's what I'm saying. It would have been over a long time ago. I was Sarah. I had a thousand moles. <laughs> Nothing to say. <laughs> It was a strange time, Lindsay. <laughs> it's a lot of suckling. <laughs> it's just like, there's just some commentary here to be made about how all of these women are accused and it's the men who are deciding their futures. Let yep. me just say that. Oh, well, you know, things haven't changed really in 300 years. <laughs> just the power, the authority, the... Misogyny? The misogyny hmm. is rich. Right. Oof. So, you know, I mean, it is interesting that... There are a few men looped into this group of witches. John, because he was John outspoken. And, Giles, and then we'll talk about George here. And George. Soon. Yep. So during this time, John Proctor, and again, that's Elizabeth's husband, he began objecting to the accusations more made towards Elizabeth. And this resulted in him being accused of witchcraft by his servant, Mary Warren, who also accused Elizabeth. John's arrested, taken to jail. And a few days later, Mary Warren admitted that she was lying. Um, unfortunately, she took that all back shortly after when some other girls became upset with her for calling them out. Mm, of course. April 14th, Mercy Lewis claimed that Giles Corey had appeared to her and forced her to sign the devil's book. Uh, that same night, Mary English had served with an arrest warrant. She asked the sheriff to arrest her the next morning, which he did. April 18th, um, a familiar name that we've mentioned several times, Bridget Bishop. She's back into the scene. Bridget Bishop, Abigail Hobbs, Mary Warren, and Giles Corey, they're all arrested on charges of witchcraft and taken into custody. The next day, poor Bridget, this is her third time. Bridget. Like, she just cannot catch a break. 
either she's doing some crazy stuff or she's just an easy target again. I think, yeah, it's easy target. Yeah. So anyhow, the next day, all four of them were examined and Abigail testified that Giles Corey was a witch, even though he continues to maintain his innocence. The next person to be accused was a pretty important one because it showed that nobody was safe from all of this madness. So on April 20th, Anne Putnam Jr. claims the invisible specter of George Burroughs visits her. Not George Burroughs. It's George. He's coming into the scene. If anyone's going to be a spectral, it's going to be a George. George. I um, love a good George. So according to Anne, George's spirit told her that he was the leader of the witches and had killed several people. George Burroughs, just as we said, was the minister at one point in Salem Village before Samuel Paris, and some thought that he was probably the center of the outbreak of witchcraft. I don't really know why. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that he was never ordained, and he was a minister, but he was in Salem Village, which it was kind of like the poor part of town, and right. he was just accused of all this stuff. So eight of the accused witches claimed that he led many of their dark rendezvous and were promised to be a king in Satan's kingdom. They're all making this up as they go. Like, that's how yeah. I feel. It like, is. It's just a free-for-all. First, there was a Satan's book. Now there's some nightly rendezvous. He's going to be king. And now there's a king and Satan's, Satan's, <laughs> Satan's, <laughs> Satan's court. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Don't forget his hand. Oh, Stan hand. It's the evil hand. We're making it up wild. as we go. He wasn't even living in Salem Village at the time. He had left for Maine because he wasn't making money. So right. he had been there for almost nine years. And they just showed up as door. I was like, hey, we heard your, your spectral was terrorizing some people. So time to get the fuck down there. So April 21st, another arrest warrant is issued for a group of people. And I could name every name, but it's just going to get crazy. So just yeah. know that there are several people through the months that are getting arrested. And they were examined, per usual. April 30th, the final ar April arrest warrant went out. And this was for Dorcas Whore. <laughs> Dorksheba. That is Dork just Sheba. a very unfortunate name. Yeah, all around. Which, granted, I don't know if whore meant the same thing in that day and age as it does now, but... Oh, I was more disturbed by Dorcas. <laughs> I think the combo is what got me, so either way... But this group also included somebody named Lydia Dustin, George Burroughs, Susanna Martin, Sarah Morell, another Sarah, <gasps> and Philip English. Another Sarah. I think they were just like, are you Sarah? That's it. And another guy. You said Philip? Philip English. Get okay. out. Get out of here, Sarah. By the end of April, there are now 10 people in jail. Oh, my gosh. The problem Overcrowding. Was, <laughs> yeah, that Salem jail was pretty small, and it was only intended to hold a few people for a short time who were just like awaiting trial, not for like months right. on end. Right. The jail was actually just made of wood and it was super hot in the summer and freezing cold in the winter. And everyone being held there used the same pot to use the bathroom. If you mm. wanted food or like extra water bedding, which was made of hay, then you'd have to pay. So if you were poor and your family had no money, then you just had to get what you get and don't throw a fit for the entire time you're there. Very unfortunate it's, times. Very unfortunate. Just getting rough. More rough. In May of 1692, a special court judges is appointed. Like a special court of judges? A special court. It's just called special court judges. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we're missing a preposition in here. We're missing a lot of things, <laughs> okay. including training. None of them are trained. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. I like Thank that. <laughs> um, the accused witch 
as which which as I mentioned earlier, they had to defend themselves. There were no lawyers <laughs> in this time. Which which I mentioned earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Too many uses of the word witch. Um, in the beginning of May, several of the people arrested were examined. A few were then taken to Boston's jail because there was too much overcrowding, overcrowding in Salem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. George Burroughs has been brought back to Salem Village all the way from Maine, and lots of people didn't like George because of the reasons I mentioned earlier about not being ordained. And yeah. then Cotton Mather, remember, he comes back into play again here, and Cotton. he was pretty vocal about his dislike for George, also because he was never ordained and he was poor, basically. May 10th, Sarah Osborne dies in jail. Sadly, Sarah had been pretty sick for some time, even before she was arrested. And she was basically on her deathbed. They moved her to prison where she was kept for months and she died of jail fever, which we think now is probably like dysentery. Hmm. Really, really terrible way to go. Yeah. She was already very sick. Again, in May, several more people are arrested and examined. On May 18th, Mary East was set free, but two days later, she was accused of afflicting Mercy Lewis, so she was charged again and returned to jail. Oh, my gosh. Never ends. May 21st, Sarah Proctor and Sarah Bassett are accused of afflicting four girls and are arrested. Five. At least. I think it's Sarah's. Yeah. What's really sad throughout all of this, like this is before the courts and the legal system was created, and they are just holding these people in jail indefinitely on no basis. Right. Because somebody accused your ghost of harassing them. You could be held in jail for months. It's insane. No due process here. So several more people are arrested and transferred to Boston jail. You can start seeing a pattern here. May 27th, seven judges are appointed to a court of oyer and terminus. A, what? I don't know what it means. Okay. <laughs> it's the, what they called their, their court. It's their court. You picture like a court with the guys in the white wigs, the curly wigs. Yes. Sitting, that's what they look like. But I there's several the of o- them. The OT court. The OT court. There we go. Okay. Wilmot Red is arrested and accused of, quote, sundry acts of witchcraft. It's a very fancy way to say it. Uh, May 31st, Cotton Mather writes a letter to one of the judges of the OT court to the judges and advises them to not rely on spectral evidence. Good job, Cotton. Newsflash. One good thing he does. They do still rely on spectral evidence. I mean, at this point, (laughs) the jail is just completely jam packed. Everything's overflowing. It's disgusting. June of 1692. It's warm now outside. It's hot. Uh, The first executions start. So one thing to know is that, during the Salem witch trials, um, we obviously know that there were people who were hanged, but they did it in groups of people, which was something that mm-hmm. I didn't quite realize until we went up and learned more about it. So on June 8th, Bridget Bishop is tried and for the third time now. Darn it, Bridget. Yeah, poor Bridget. She just had a rough go. So she had actually already been tried 12 years earlier, found guilty, but this time things were different um, because... Now we've got some rules set into pl- motion. Do we? But Do we? different than the times <laughs> that she was already tried. Yeah. She was let go. And this time they were not letting her go. During the trial, people were just going absolutely crazy. Girls were screaming at the top of their lungs. Mm-hmm. They were thrashing all around the courtroom, claiming they were being attacked by Bridget. One of the girl's hands had pins in her hand, claiming that it was Bridget who did it. And obviously she either did it herself or somebody did it to her, but... 
This turned into a mass hysteria in the courtroom and Bridget was found guilty. She had no chance in there and she was sentenced to death. So on June 10th, Bridget Bishop becomes the first person to hang in Salem Village. So as I kind of alluded to earlier, you know, when we think of people death by hanging, usually they um, have it so that their neck snaps and they have kind of a merciful, if you will, Like their neck breaks, yeah. That is not how things were. They climbed up to the top of a ladder and just dangled off to the side. Like they would kind of hang off to the side. Their necks would not break and they would choke to death. So it wasn't like a sudden drop. Correct. Oh my gosh. And if it was, it wasn't enough to break the neck. They would just dangle there basically. Like a slow suffocation. Suffocate. They would convulse. They would throw up. They would have all these terrible seizures. It was a horrific event. And the people watching would also say that that was probably because they were a witch, that they were doing all these things. So it just added to the hysteria. It's a very, very sad thing. Very sad. After seeing Bridget die, one of the judges actually was totally disgusted by the hanging and he resigned. But despite all this, things continued. Lots of scary, scary stuff going on in Salem right now. The accused were told that if they confessed that they would not be killed. This was not the case, but that's what they were told. Also, it was thought that if a witch was held by iron, like in handcuffs, that that was like basically render their magic powerless, that Mm -hmm. they couldn't do anything if they were held by iron. So they would put all these accused witches into iron handcuffs in jail. But in order to do that, if that those people are now powerless, then they have to keep accusing other people so that this whole facade can keep going on. Right. Because if you have a whole group of people who are now powerless, what are we going to do? We can't just, what are we can't end it. Gotta just keep throwing people under the bus. And that's what happened. It just got totally out of hand. So June 29th through 30th, Sarah Good, Elizabeth Howe, Susanna Martin, and Sarah Wilds are tried for witchcraft. They're all found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. Rebecca Nurse was also tried and is found not guilty. When the verdict is read, however, it said that several accusers and spectators in the room protested loudly and acted crazy-like, again, as they do. So at that time, the court asked the jury to reconsider their verdict, which they do, and then she is found guilty. Mm. They said that after reviewing the evidence, they noticed that she had failed to answer one question, probably because she was very hard of hearing. Yes. So very sad for Rebecca. She was also sentenced to death by hanging, and on June 30th, testimony begins against Elizabeth and John Proctor. That's where we're going to wrap up part one of our Salem Witch Trials Haunted Holidays. It gets worse. Somehow. It's already bad. It gets worse. I already hate it so much, but it doesn't get any better for a little while. It gets worse. It gets interesting. It gets, um, there's a lot going on. So again, I think the, the main takeaway is like, you know, the general idea of the Salem witch trials, but there's really a lot to it. Right. Like it, it was the perfect storm of wild. Yeah. That happened. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to our, part one of the Salem Witchcraft Trials. You can catch us next week for our part two. <laughs> you can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials linked from there or send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star <laughs> rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. It really does help and we really appreciate it. <laughs>
All right, guys. Thanks so much. We will catch you next week. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs>